You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. Now, before we get into this interview, I just wanted to share with you a few words from our sponsor, Design Crowd. Now, if you haven't heard of Design Crowd, they are an amazing online marketplace that helps businesses outsource their graphics, logos, and web designs with access to over 500,000 designers around the world. And the cool thing is, within a few hours of submitting your design requirements, you'll receive 50 to 100 plus designs from designers around the world, so you have the best chance to pick that perfect design for you. You know, I personally love this option because I use it in my business ventures and projects because it saves me on a few major things in life, such as time, uh, energy, and also the headache of going back and forth with designers. You know, the great thing about Design Crowd is it's affordable, it's scalable, without you even needing an in-house design team, which I absolutely love, and it's that flexibility of going to it whenever you need. So the good folks at Design Crowd are kind enough to offer you as an exclusive Addicted to Success listener the VIP Custom Design Upgrade Pack, which will save you over $100 on a deluxe project for any type of custom design, including logos, business cards, websites, flyers, and emails. So head over to designcrowd.com success, and the promo code is success. That's S-U-C-C-E-S-S. Okay, now let's get into this interview. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I am here today with one of my great friends. We're just hanging out a couple uh, couple days back for Preston Alexi's wedding. This is Jake Ducey. He is an inspirational speaker. He is a he's written three books now. He's really rocking the books, and he's young too. How old are you, Jake? Twenty four. Twenty four. Oh my god! Seriously, twenty four years old. You already released three books. I know you've been mentored by you know Jack Canfield and. You've done so well at such a young age, so I just want to commend you first and foremost for that. Uh, you know, I'm 29. You're making me feel like I need to run a little bit faster. <laughs> <laughs> but we all know it's a patience game. We were just talking about the patience game before. So, um, dude, I'm just so happy to have you on here. Uh, I'm excited about your new book, Profit from Happiness. Uh, your last book was uh, Purpose Principles. And I know that book was a game changer. A lot of people I speak to have been shifted and and uh, have transformed just after like reading that book and then applying what you teach in that book uh, to their lives. So Profit from Happiness apparently is like the next best thing too. So I was just, I remember reading some of the reviews and they were just so positive, dude. So uh, congratulations on your new book. Joel, thanks, man. Always, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problems, man. No problems. Before we start, for everyone listening, Joel is the epitome of, right, addicted to success. He's built a million-dollar business, right? It's something everyone wants, right, to grow these businesses. The valuation of Joel's business in a couple years will be 3, 5, 10, 15. It's just going to keep growing, 100 million um, people on the website. But he is the epitome of serving others and letting other people, right? He, he lets myself come on, all these other people he gives an opportunity to share their messages, to share their work. So I just want to commend Joel and everyone listening that he's the perfect example of how to grow a multi-million dollar business and, and um, do it in such an amazing way. 
Oh, thank you, man. You flipped the script on me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, thank you, man. I really appreciate you as a friend and, and also as uh, someone in the industry that also, uh, I could say, like, comes from a place of service, you know. Uh, I know your book, Profit from Happiness, uh, The Unity of Wealth, Work, and Personal Fulfillment. I mean, that's like, that's a mature thing to talk about. And you're 24 years old, but you really hone in on what it means to live with fulfillment and doing it in a way where you serve others as well. So tell us, man, like what's the idea behind this book and what can we expect from it? Like what is the one thing that you want people to take away from this book while reading it or after they've read it? Well, the Justine Musk, who is Elon Musk's ex-wife, um, one time she was asked, well, I want to be a billionaire. Someone said, will I become one? And she said, I don't know, but you're asking the wrong question entirely. She said, your question should be, um, where can you fill a need in the world that's worth that much? She said that the world doesn't care what you want. It doesn't care about your conscious goal, right? That's, I want a million, I want a billion, I want this, I want that, right? And, and so many of us listening, are we, we are goal-oriented people. Yeah. And she said... You're asking the wrong question entirely. You know, what you need to do is figure out where you can supply that type of need and get so focused on the service and, and what you can offer that the natural byproduct that is going to be more money than you can even imagine because you're lost in the service. It's called service for a reason. Uh, commercial service is called service because the more you serve someone, the more money you will make. So the book is about... Uh, being of more and more and more value to those around us. And I, I cite that story and I wrote the book because I was, um, it was at one specific uh, Fortune 100 company that paid me a lot of money to do a 30 minute talk. And they gave me a tour of the facility beforehand. And this is a, you know, 75,000 employees, humongous all across the world. And when they gave me the tour, they said um, we were walking by one of the one of the uh, teams, and they said that's our MVP for this team. But by the way, you're here because he's also the reason. The you're here because of him. He's also the most dysfunctional. He's really hard to work with. Cool. So I said, but you awarded him the MVP, and they said, yeah. Well, he works really hard, and I said but you're paying me money to come out here because he's a really bad leader. Yeah, 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 we were hoping you could fix that. And it wow. struck me as the weirdest thing ever how we get so caught up in um, our hours worked and performing that we lose touch of what Jim Rohn said is you're not paid for your time, you're paid for the value that you bring. And I think um, one of the biggest thing companies today are missing 75% of Americans say they're actively disengaged from their jobs. The U.S. economy absorbs $550 billion loss from productivity loss every year due to people being disengaged. And that's because we've lost touch with our ability to legitimately be leaders and to give and to connect. And um, I think that that value is so lost. And I think that is the next step in entrepreneurs that want to be great. And that's why I acknowledge you at the beginning because I think though you don't run this company with hundreds of employees, 
you're a clear example of that to all of your associates and people in the industry by how you operate. And so I thought the book was, we've been looking at goals the wrong way. It's about who you be can become and what you have to offer in value. Wow. Yes. Yes, 100%. You know, it's interesting. You know, I've interviewed hundreds of successful people and this just continues to be a thing that's brought up in the way of how important it is to give back, how important it is to come from a place of uh, service. So, and I believe, I believe every human being wants to have some form of value that they can deliver to the world. What would you tell somebody that just is like, I want to serve, but I don't know how? Where would they start? Um, well, it depends what part of their life they're in, right? If you have a big business, right? I mean, obvious ways would be, you, you know, you could give 2%, 5%, 10% of your income. Um, if we're looking at tangibly, right, though, in our day-to-day in -day life, um, I think it's flipping our goal around, right, if you want to make a million dollars. It's just getting so invested in the service. Money is the cause, or service is the cause. Service is the cause. Money is the effect. Money is governed by cause and effect. The more you serve, the more you can grow. So if you're in a nine-to-five, right, and you're listening to this, because you like the inspiration from Joel and you have ambitions of a larger life than you're living, right? One way you can begin right now is whether you're a CEO or whether you're at the bottom of the totem pole, um, quote unquote, so to speak, in your company, to start tomorrow to be the MVE, the most valuable energy, right? Draymond Green is the most valuable energy to the Warriors right, to the, to, the, to the team that almost won the championship last year. He's not the best player, but everyone notices when he's gone because he's the emotional leader. So I think where you can begin in a nine-to-five position is to become that irreplaceable energy, to stop, to smile, to engage with people in an authentic way and say, hey, how are you doing, right? Because Susie hasn't been performing because her 14-year-old son's thinking about committing suicide. The other managers are just mad at Susie Susie, you're not being productive. You're not being this. Well, let's hire a motivational speaker. And no one stops and engages and listens. Yeah. Right? And um, I think that listening and engaging in those ways can automatically make you just a better leader, no matter where you are. When I interviewed, um, not when I interviewed, I met uh, Martin Luther King's lawyer. Um, who was his lawyer for 10 or 15 years. And, right, he's out of the context of commercial entrepreneurship. But at the end of the day, he was an entrepreneur. He had a vision, and he brought millions of people together for it. And I said, what made Martin Martin? Um, I met his lawyer, and she, I was giving a speech. And after my speech, she invited me in the town car for the whole – I spent a whole afternoon with her. And she said the reason he was able to get millions of people towards his movement was because he listened. And I, I expected her to say his booming charisma and his voice. And I was like, no, that's boring. That's not romantic. And she said, no, he would listen. And so people were willing to die for his cause. And I think when we can allow others to feel seen and valued in, in really small ways, um, then that's one way, obviously, you can make a difference in the next five hours or in the next hour after you turn this off. Um, and, of course, the big one is to really just for our um, – business and, and our ambitions in life is to really just get clear on the focus, which obviously, you know, Joel's about is about impacting a billion people's lives, right? You've built a million dollar business, but your focus isn't on how to make it 1.2 million. It's how do I reach this many people's lives? Yeah. So just that psychological shift 
and then remembering the everyday encounters that the opportunities that we have to connect with people um, in authentic ways like we were at the grocery store the other day and the woman um, it was Mother's Day or Father's Day I forget and her parents were dead she was a the grocery woman and Ashley my girlfriend just stopped and talked to her and her parents were weren't alive anymore and I forget which maybe it was Father's Day and she came in later that day and said hey I was just letting you know I was thinking about you and the woman tells me every time Ashley made my day I felt so good like you don't know some people literally go home alone and they don't have anyone that cares about them because their family's dead right like that yeah. engagement is really valuable wow yeah, yeah. You know, I remember you and I were having a conversation. I was hanging out at your house probably four months ago. And you were sharing a story with me. One of your friends, something horrific had happened to her partner. Um, and he was in another part of the world. He wasn't suppo supposed to be there. Or he was, but he was about to leave. And he was part of a, he was a victim of a terrorist attack. And I remember you telling me you did the math on like the chances of I can't remember exactly how you explained it. Like you well, there was 70, I think there was a, uh, it was either 39 or 79 million people in Belgium, just for, for you listening. Yeah. My, my best friend's sister, my best friend's sister, her boyfriend studies abroad or did in Belgium four months out of the year. Um, and he was there when the terrorist attacks happened and 29 people died in the train bombings. And he was one of the 29 out of the 39 or 49 or whatever million people live in Belgium and the percentage was like point zero 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 is like six zeros one percent chance of him dying I did the math and he died yeah right and we're such a everyone listening is such a type personalities we're so focused on visions and we're such great achievers um, that it's really easy to neglect everything else um, in our life um, right, we're working. Right, a lot of us are working to create great income for freedom, but we uh, we neglect all the freedom that we have now and the opportunity to connect and engage. And um, yeah, that was it was point zero 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 one, and he's not alive anymore. Yeah, that's wild, mate. That's absolutely wild. Just to think that your life could just be over like that, and the chances of it happening in that way, but it still happens. So that's why you gotta live life to the fullest, man. That's why you need to focus on the things that matter most. And what that is, is like, I love the name of uh, your book, which is Profit From Happiness. And you're not profit from making a ton of money, you're not profit from ripping people off or anything like that, which a lot of people are doing. It's profit from happiness. So how do we, because I know, that, and when you look at it like that, if you focus just on happiness, what happens is the conversation around money money becomes like the elephant in the room. It's like it's there and like no one wants to talk about it because they want to sound like, you know, it's oh, it's all about happiness. It's all about fulfillment. It's all about giving back. But really money is a very uh, important part of living as well. How do we double our income? Because I heard you say this before. It was, it was in your, uh, I think it was on the book or in the title. It, it, was, it was somewhere in the book where it said double your income without doubling your work hours. And I think that would be a huge thing for so many people to be able to do because they're working overtime and they're not really, their money's not going OT either. <laughs> no. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've 5X'd mine in an extremely short period of time. And um, and it'll be 10X soon. And other people have 1,000X'd it. And there's a couple, I think, important distinctions. And if you look at 
the majority, uh, 95% of people trade their time for money. Mm. Um, they're trading their time for money and it's not something that makes them happy. Um, obviously, one great thing to do is developing multiple sources of income. I just have my clients literally just make a list. What are possible ways you can make that you can create more income? So you're leveraging income, right? So I think that's a great exercise for everyone to do is just write out other ways to do it. And I think one of the most important distinctions to make, in my opinion, there are so many entrepreneurs that will be going named that pride themselves on 18 hours of work. And they tell you in their content, like, yeah. you have to work this much. You have. And <laughs> I'm the opposite. I don't think that at all. I, I work less now and I, and I make more money. And um, one of my coaches uh, and mentors and one of my biggest role models has a multi-million dollar business. He works two hours a day. And so I think the important distinction is you're not paid for your time. You're paid for your value that you bring to that time. And so I think the question to really um, ask in response to your question, how do we grow our income without increasing our time, is how do you get better and become more valuable? How do you get better and become more valuable? What happens is most people are trading their time for money and they're so focused on logging the time that they never get better at what they do. Um, and I think the important distinction is how can you get better and then secondly is to look at your paradigm, to look at your unconscious paradigm around, around money. Some people's paradigm is to make more money, you have to work five times more. That's just not true if you look at a lot of big income earners that they, they don't work 24 hours a day. A lot of times they have other people do most of their work. Yeah. And so I think an important distinction just to begin to ask ourselves is, one, what are multiple sources of income? Every night I wake up, I go to bed, I know I'm making money off of, off of my silver investment. I know it. I, I can see it. It's an investment that I made. I took my, my hard-earned money from hours that I meant selling books all last summer in, on Van's Warp Tour, and I took it and I invested it into silver. And my money's increased by 15 times. Right. So looking at different sources of income, but then asking ourselves, where can you get better? Because better is a great word to ask. Better is a wonderful word. So the start is, where can I get better and better and better? And the better I get, the more is, is the more service I can provide. And the more service I can provide, the more you're going to be valued with time, not immediately. So I think the first thing is to see, like, be honest with yourself. If you're not making the amount of money that you want to make is like, where am I not being as good as I could or should be? And when you get better at that, your skill is becomes a leveraged income. Yeah, yeah, far out, mate. How many how many streams of income do you have at the moment? Um, six, five, five or six. Oh, five or six. Twenty four years old. Five or six. Written three books. Come on, there's no excuses. <laughs> you know and, I mean? and, like, and I think it's important to recognize that they all don't happen overnight. Bob Proctor says, yeah. think about multiple sources of income is they have one thing in common. They all flow back to your wallet. But some of them will give you $1 and some of them will give you a lot, right? Uh, Network marketing, great way to leverage your income. Just looking yeah. at ways you can get things off the ground that some of them may, but 
some of them may only give you 500 bucks a month, but for most people, 500 bucks a month extra would change their life. Oh yeah, you shift into a completely different lifestyle, man. You get to eat at better restaurants. You get to travel every few months. You can put that money to the side, and that's that's somewhere else, another destination. I mean, it's covering bills that are relieving the stress from your mind. So, hell yeah, I believe that. So why not open another stream? You know, uh, that's that's the thing as well with me with addicted to success. You know, I'm at I'm at five streams at the moment, and. Um, the thing that you need to be careful of if you're listening right now and you're looking at opening more streams is also, yeah, cool, look at your life and and um, have more experiences and so on if that's what you value, if that's important to you. But be very careful of because you make more money, don't spend more money on things that are unnecessary. So, you know, I've got friends that they make a, you know, they've quadrupled their income in the last year and so therefore they'll go and spend money on it on a hotel that's another hundred dollars two hundred dollars more but really the hotel is no different to another one if they just looked around and so over time it's like really they're getting the same kind of benefit but spending more money mm-hmm. which makes yeah. it hard for them to say so you've got to really focus it's a, from what i can tell you what you're saying is really it's like about being smart so about being smart about your money smart about where you put it how you look at your money too with your perspectives on on money and your beliefs yeah. around it I, if you look at my um, online banking, I have six accounts inside. One says fun, one says travel, um, one says living expenses, one's just as my normal checking, one's my savings. And every dollar I make, percents go into the difference. So I know I have X available for massages and whatever I feel like splurging on. Um, I have this amount saving up for travel when I feel like travel. And I, I think that um, there's an Earl Nightingale quote, and he says, um, most people think they need more money than they do, but they settle for a lot less than they could actually make. And I think it's, huh. it's really significant. And I think an important thing is to um, map out our priorities of our life and then divide out different accounts based off it and take percents to each of the different things. And then we'll find out that um, it's actually probably – a lot easier for us to create the life than we want. We just generally have one giant checking account that we pull from for everything. And that's like that's like having one energy source and letting people pull from you in every direction. You have to set boundaries and and, and manage it and pri- I it's not budgeting, it's prioritizing um, and channeling your energy into the things that matter most to you. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's talk about what what matters most. Um your last book, Purpose Principles, did really well. You've got this new book out now. Um, what do you feel you have learned between then and now? Like one of the most powerful things that has come up for you, where if you look back at who you were, Jake Ducey, think two years ago or whatever, a year and a half ago when you launched that book, to where you are now, like what is that most profound thing that came up for you where you look at it and you're like, Man, I've grown so much because of this. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you a story. The day into the no, the day the purpose principles came out. So this was 2015. Um, it was the first my first major book contract, so I was really nervous. And I had been I built it off a self published book. Had become not essentially. I become a workaholic. Um, I, I would wake up at three. I go to bed at eleven. Wake up at three. I was drinking like five cups of caffeine a day. Oh my God. Um, I was like really messed up. 
And that's how a lot, probably a lot of people you, listening you, to you this. You're addicted to success in a bad way, <laughs> not, in, and not I, in a good way. <laughs> and I think a lot of people listening to this can relate to that. And um, maybe not as extreme as me, but um, it was the day the Purpose Principles came out. And I had just started, um, I had never had a girlfriend just because I was so focused on work. And my, I asked my girlfriend to move into me with me. And we had been living together for a few months and the book came out. Now, I had a list of 487 things to do that day, right? Like, <laughs> obviously, there's no way I'm going to get any of it, like half of it done. And um, it was like 7 in the morning. And Ashley, my girlfriend, comes into the room crying. And I'm like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have got a girlfriend. I can't believe she's crying right now. This is the day my book's coming out. <laughs> right? Like, that's what A-type personalities do. We, we're so focused on our results that we neglect everything else. Wow. And so I'm like, you know, like a dot, like trying to like distract her, right? Like get out of here. I need to work. And she's crying. And um, I had a call with uh, an author, Mike Dooley, who I think you've interviewed Mike before, yeah, yeah. Um, before yeah. my um, call. And Mike gave me some advice. And he said, look, 23, I was 23 at the time. You're going to get there. Um, don't neglect everything else to get there. This is a 50-year career. And I could hear his voice in my head. And... Um, I had one voice in my head that was like, gosh, she is so selfish. Doesn't she know this is my most important day? And then I could hear Mike's. And Mike said, Mike's voice said to me, step away from the computer, go over and talk to her, give her a hug. Um, and I decided to, um, essentially, I, I botched the whole day. I didn't get anything. I went out with her for the day. We went outside and we talked and it was some very traumatizing family things. Um, that are still, um, she's healed from them. They're still present in, in, in her life. And it was this turning point in our relationship where we grew deeper. And I went to bed that night. You are an idiot, Jake. You worked for three years to do this. You invested all your time and money. And then you did, you mi I missed a bunch of interviews. I didn't do a bunch of things I was supposed to do. And, um, and I was beating myself up, right? Like maybe you can relate to this listening to this. You're such a performance-based person that you beat yourself up when the 187 things on your goal list don't get done. And, and then this other voice, it was like Mike's voice was like, you know, if your career is ruined because you were finally being a good person, then you should be okay with that. <laughs> and it was the first time in years that my nervous system actually relaxed and I actually felt peace, like my breath, like I, I didn't feel I had to get something done. And um, it was a turning point in my life. That month, I, I made the most money at the time I'd ever made in a month. I worked less than I ever had. Opportunities came to me all over the place. And that was when I realized that um, I was using work to fill a void that I had within myself. Yeah. I desired an A-type personality. I desire connection and friendship and relaxation and time to read and time to be outside and exercise. I wasn't doing any of that. And it was this big turning point in my life where I realized I needed to build a life and not a career. Far out. Oh, man, I can relate to that so much. I went through a similar experience. You, and you're sorry, I love that line there. You had to focus on building a life and not a career. Wow. I mean, relationships, right? Relationships are life. Everything in life is relationships. You have a relationship with everything. 
So, oh, that's that's awesome. And Mike has that effect on you too, doesn't he? He says some pretty <laughs> profound things. It just kind of like sits in and resonates so deep that it sits you. He said something to me one time. Uh, he just said, Joel, he said, the cards are so heavily stacked in your favor. It's ridiculous. He's like, the cards in life are just stacked. <laughs> He's like, everything is perfect. He's like, it's you have no complaints, no reasons to not go for what you want. It's all there. So... Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for sharing that story. That, yeah, it changed my whole life. I quit. Um, I was on the grind, just building my speaking career. And as you know, I, I've been starting to run my own events, and that's when I decided to start building a coaching practice, which has went amazing. But it's been what I really want to build building relationships. And and I realized I was on this treadmill, and I think that it's a question that we can all ask ourselves, like. Are you building a, a, a career or are you building a life? And yeah. what happens is we end up um, bald, um, fat, um, unhappy, and we're seeing our kids on the weekend and the kids and the wife and the new dad are living in a house with your money because you're paying them every month and yeah, you have a lot of money, but you don't have a life anymore yeah. and you can have it all. You can have a life and an awesome career. And that's what I realized. I thought I had to pick one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. It is one or the other. I, and also, uh, I heard some reason. I don't know if it was, it might've been Tony Robbins, but he said that like, get good at having an integrated life where it's like, mm. everything's kind of intertwined and it's holistic. It's not like just one, just the other kind of thing. It's, it's like, yeah, you have it all integrated in a way. And that can take many years to really work out what it is. I think you got to ask yourself some pretty important questions like what is your definition of success and getting familiar with your values and, um, you know, having conversations with your spouse or your partner or your family at that, the kids in your life too, if you have kids, right? Having the important conversations of like, hey, this is where I am. How can we support each other? How can we work with each other? I think, you know, that can lead to, I believe, high levels of happiness because everybody knows where everyone's at. There's no assumptions and no, no ridiculous expectations and you don't feel guilty in the process because everybody's familiar with where they are. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that, um, I wrote that this new book too, because I call, or no, I called it profit from happiness because people think you can either have a happy life or a pro or a financially profitable generally. And I think you can have both. I was just talking to a guy today, um, at 55 and um, he's a friend of mine and um, for, for years he had a multiple six figure a month so he was doing between um, two and three million a year in real estate for years and years and years yeah. and but he was working himself to the bone and he the shift happened when he had his kids finally and his, his daughter was 14 and she said something to him at the dinner table and he said, what? Sorry, honey, I didn't hear you. And she said, it's okay, daddy. You never listen anyways. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and he was like, whoa. Kids. And so now he makes, you know, a half a million a year. And, but he has freedom to enjoy it. And so getting clear, I think, is important. I <laughs> <laughs> get that. Daddy, you never listen anyways. <laughs> Hey, man, you never know who your greatest teachers are. Sometimes they can be the person right under your nose. <laughs> 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 uh, 
I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, awesome. What is your favorite chapter in your book, Profit from Happiness, and why? Honestly, it's um, it's the second chapter. It's called Share a Smile, and I love it because I think that's um, it's who I am. And I always would think it was so weird. People say, "What advice do you have?" I say, "Wake up in the morning, take a shower, smile the whole time while you shower." <laughs> and it seems like really weird, but um, you don't need to wait for something to make you smile, right? Even if you're a salesperson, right, and you're listening and you're saying, oh, this is stupid, you're more charming and more persuasive when you're carrying that energy and you're smiling. Frank Becker, who wrote one of the best-selling sales books ever, How I Raised Myself from Success to Failure in Selling, is one of the greatest insurance salesmen ever, has a whole chapter on smiling. He said he, he started to double his sales when he started to drive on the way to his sales events and he would smile the whole way <laughs> because he said it had this magnetism yeah. thing. And um, I, it's really me and um, it will, I know that it will make everyone smile when they, when, they, um, when they listen to it. It's the symbol of the good life and you can create that right now. You can make someone smile you know, right next to you like you and I are smiling, having this enjoyable experience like that's what life is about that's why we want more money it's more freedom to smile and enjoy life and you can do that now and so I think it's a really cool part of the book and um, I wrote that because um, I had a uh, I was living in Hollywood and it was like 11 at night and I was walking home from the gym and uh, I was like worried about something I don't know some stupid stuff about you know career stuff and it was uh, I was walking down a dark alleyway and it was really late and I was walking on the street because I saw a homeless encampment and I figured, oh, they're going to ask me for money, I'll get mugged. And then those really bright headlights, right, that are like blue, they're so bright they should be illegal, it's coming at me in one direction from a car. Huh. And so I can't see, so I step out onto the sidewalk and I see this homeless guy, he's everything, quote unquote, I don't want to be, right, in my narrow confines mind, he's... He's homeless, he's probably broke, he's probably uh, ugly, right? Like all these stupid judgments in my head. And I'm like looking down at the ground trying not to look at him so he doesn't ask me for money. And um, I have to step up and look up when I step on the curb. And he's staring there, no teeth in his mouth, smiling at me. And I couldn't help but smile back at him. Like it was just my natural reaction. And it was just a second. And that's all, he just smiled at me. And I walked away and my whole energy changed. And I realized like, well, first of all, my judgments to get the second uh, against this guy. I figure he doesn't have anything to give me. But he just changed my whole night. And I think that um, it's so overlooked, but it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that funny, man? You know, I remember uh, it would have been probably about a month ago. I was, I was on a date with this chick and um, we were walking along after dinner and this uh, homeless man was walking by and he went bah! like he just jumped in front of her and went bah! like that and she screamed and like ran and um you know I, and i just kind of like it's like flight or flight right and i was like ready to punch this dude's head in i didn't know i didn't know where he came from i i kind of saw him in the corner of my eye and i realized he was you know homeless and and he was challenged financially or whatever it was that he was going through uh, and he just was like giggling to himself, walking off. He had this like little like jump in his step and he was so happy and he like ran, he turned around and like smiled at us and I was like, wow, like that's, 
that's what he wanted you know that's what he wanted and he, got, <laughs> he got a little bit of happiness from that and like we laughed about it after it was like it was like uh, infectious because we were talking about it later and we're laughing about it. we told other people about it it was just one of those moments i mean you had to be there but um it's one of those things where it's like you know that's it's free man it's free it can happen at any point in time um and i love how you said you, it's now you can have that now you have to choose where your emotion live at any point in time that's your decision amen you can do it on your sales calls right if you're listening and and you sell by the phone you can do it on your you can smile the whole time while you're on your sales calls they've done studies where people receive information better through others through the telephone when they're smiling you can do it on your sales calls you can do it at work tomorrow you can do it on your drive it'll improve everything yeah yeah hell yeah for sure neurologically it changes doesn't it like it actually you release uh, endorphins when you smile yeah, I always I say in the book, endorphins aren't biased. They don't care if you're smiling for a reason or not. I'm saying they're not biased, like right? They're not like, wait, you're not smiling because anything good happened to you. We're not going to release in your brain and make you feel good. They don't care. <laughs> they just want you to smile. And they did a study at Berkeley um, where they took clinically depressed patients and had them look in the mirror and smile at themselves for like 30 or 40 minutes every day. And the, the improvements were like 75% better on average just from looking at themselves and smiling. So it's like you're, you're, you're changing your physiology. You're, you're starting to fire everything that we desire in life going off in our brain. And you can do it right now just by going like this. It's like it just feels good. <laughs> Why not do it, right? Why not do it? Jake, thanks so much, mate. I've, I've appreciated this uh, conversation. This is uh, nothing but value. Uh, where can we pick up profit from happiness? Oh, thanks, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's always always a pleasure to talk to you, dude. And uh, yeah, any any if you're in America, any Barnes and Noble, Canada, any chapters um, online on Amazon, um, all those types of places, you can find it anywhere um, on my website, uh, jakeducey.com, D-U-C-E-Y. Um, Pretty much anywhere. Yep, awesome. We, I was gonna say you got a million dollar smile, man. We should start calling you Jake Smiles. <laughs> <laughs> Preston Smiles wouldn't like that, but Jake Smiles sounds good. <laughs> that'd, be that'd be hilarious. When uh, he comes back from Morocco, start. I'll change my my Facebook name. You should. You should see what happens. <laughs> uh, also, the front cover of your book, I love it. Your uh, your girlfriend actually drew that right she's an artist and so i love that you involved her in that way it's it's a great cover man the the butterflies flying with the the money <laughs> it looks really cool yeah it's funny I, I just wanted everything from the title of the book to the uh actual cover to just go against all of our belief systems like butterflies but their wings are money so yeah. yeah ashley ashley made it all so props to ashley i think it's i think it's one of the prettiest covers or uh, coolest covers I'd ever seen and all props goes to her. I do. I do too. I've seen a lot of covers. I've read a lot of books and uh, this one is, is awesome, man. So, well done. All right. So, do we, we finish every interview with this question. I might have asked you maybe a year and a half ago, um, two years ago. I'm thinking two years now. Wow, it's going fast. Uh, I'm going to ask you this question now and, um, you know, just give it give it whatever comes up in the moment. But the question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? That last 30 seconds, and you asked me before, but it'd be funny to look back and see how much it changed. My last 30 seconds um, this time would be, um, 
it would be to go outside and to find the first person that you see, whether they're in your home right now or whether they're outside or you have to go to the grocery store and to stop and to, and if there's someone you know, I want, I want you to hug them. I want you to genuinely hug them, not for two seconds, not like this, oh, this is so uncomfortable. Let me pat you on the arm really quick. <laughs> genuinely hug them and connect with them and realize that that's all you want in life. That's all a human actually wants and needs to be alive. That you, you, a baby will die unless its mother is touching them. That's what you want. That's what you need. And make sure in your pursuit to make build a billion dollar company and build an empire. And do that, but don't neglect to connect and engage and 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 give your love and presence to everyone you come in contact with. 